from the University of Notre Dame, this is With a Side of Knowledge, the show that invites scholars, makers, and professionals out to brunch for an informal conversation about their work. I'm your host, Ted Fox. With a Side of Knowledge is supported by Soren's Restaurant inside Notre Dame's Morris Inn, which serves breakfast and lunch seven days a week and dinner Tuesday through Saturday. If you see us recording, feel free to stop by and say hi. Preferably not when we're chewing. And when we're not recording or chewing, you can always find us on Twitter, where we are at with a side of pod. Like me, Adela Mizrachi works in communications at a university. But that's not the reason we asked her to come on the show. At least not the main one. See, Adela is also the founder of something called Podcast Brunch Club, which interested us because, well, for the exact reason you'd expect. So we, a podcast that records over brunch, invited her out to brunch to talk about Podcast Brunch Club, the Podcast Brunch Club podcast, and trends in podcasting as a whole. Did we mention podcasts or brunch? And fun story. Since we recorded this interview, one of our very own listeners, Joseph Caudill, has started a Podcast Brunch Club chapter right here in South Bend. There are currently more than 60 such chapters around the world. But what is Podcast Brunch Club? Glad you asked. Adela Mizrashi, welcome to With a Side of Knowledge. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I, you drove you drove in to do what's it's a fun thing to do on a Saturday. It is. Yeah. I was just telling you before we started recording, like I just like to drive in and take little solo road trips. So it's perfect. This to me was only a matter of time before we did this interview because we are a podcast that records over brunch. Mm-hmm. You are the founder of something called Podcast Brunch Club. Right. So let's get meta. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Is Podcast Brunch Club as amazing as it sounds? I kind of think so, but <laughs> what, you're asking the wrong person. What, what is it exactly? So, okay. So yeah, right. It's like book club, but for podcasts. Right. So that's the tagline. Some people get confused by that. They think it's some somehow related to books, but it's just my way of drawing an analogy. So just in the same way that book club started as a way for people to discuss books that they were reading on their own, Podcast Brunch Club is a way for people to get together. I send out... Um, a monthly podcast playlist that is all on a theme. Each month it's a different theme and it's curated by a different person in the global community. And then everybody just listens on their own time and we have chapters all over the world. We have probably over 60, close to 70 now on six continents. And chapter leaders in those cities just organize little meetings to get together, sometimes over brunch, sometimes over happy hour, whatever. It started as brunch in Chicago, so that's how it got its name. And yeah, when they talk about it, we have conversation starter questions in the same way that a book club would have discussion questions. And sometimes they're used, sometimes they're not. For me, it's honestly, I'm happy just that people are getting together and talking face to face. You know, like we are, well, we are I mean, right now. That, yeah. And that's the thing is like the, I mean, it's what we always hear about all these different new kinds of technology. This is great. It puts it on the palm of your hand, but it's also easier than it has ever been to just say, well, I'm just going to I'm going to put in my earbuds right. and not talk to anyone right. about anything. I'm just going to walk around with like sunglasses on and <laughs> giant earphones on and not interact with the actual yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I was just so moved by some of the content I was listening to and I just was like, I need to talk to people about this. Right. So, I mean, you mentioned having different different contributors curating mm-hmm. the list each month and you do different themes. How does that process actually work in terms of 
what you're looking for and what you ask people what to do and then maybe some examples of some of the kinds of lists that you all have curated. There's sort of some guidelines I have and some rules for who can curate a playlist. So I limit it to people who have participated in at least three podcast brunch club meetings. That way they at least kind of get the way it goes. Right. And they're somewhat committed because I get a lot of pitches. Oh, you should put my podcast on your playlist. And it's a really easy way for me to just say it's out of my hands. Yep. And you can't curate a list because you're not participating. But right. if you participate, if you, part- you can curate. Right. But on that note, one of the guidelines is that if you have a podcast and you are curating, you can't include that podcast. That's a good guideline. <laughs> It just, again, it just kind of gets me a lot out of a lot of hot water and makes the... You don't want to turn it into just... Promotion, Yeah, here's here's infomercials for... Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I I have the same sort of rule in the Facebook group, which has, I don't know, 2,400 people in it now, Mm -hmm. that no self-promotion is allowed unless it's a response and and a relevant response to a post for, you know, recommendations or whatever. Because I, I feel like as listeners, we're constantly being, you know, shouted at or shouted to just like listen to my podcast buy this product da 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 and I just want to kind of like cut through the noise and I saw people talking on that very topic this week on Twitter there was someone complaining that it's getting harder and harder with some shows to tell what's the advertising and what isn't because it's I mean, for the ad, the advertiser is great because a host can blend it so seamlessly into what they're talking about. But you're right. I mean, it is. It's still not. I'd say in general, it's still not the same as where we were with oh a DVR and skipping through all the ads on a television show. But it has become has become a space where people are seeing more value in trying to monetize it. Oh yeah. I mean, it it seems like it's gonna go crazy soon. I mean, I think it already is kind of crazy, but it's it's getting really, really saturated. Mm And everybody has a podcast and you see so many articles or listicles of these are the top 10 things you need to do to start a successful podcast. And it's, you know, all of it's kind no, of Number nonsense. one should be asking yourself, should I, right. should I start one in the first place? Do I have the bandwidth <laughs> exactly. to do this? And, exactly. you know, have the, because I mean, it's, it's, there's a semi low barrier to entry, but it's not, there is not, there's not no barrier to entry. There sure. is a barrier to entry and consistency and mm-hmm. technology and. You know, you have a, a doohickey sitting on the table right now, and you just bought it. You're just trying to figure, you know, like all right, this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, I just, I have, I'm, I'm wearing. For, obviously, this is a podcast, so people can't see, but I have a, a T-shirt on right now that says "Listen," and then it, under it says "Together," and all the words, uh, the, all the letters, and "Together" are smushed together. But I have another one that I should have, um, should have worn. It says "Ignore the noise," mm-hmm. because. There's so much noise. And, there is. And people are so pulled in a thousand different directions. And so Podcast Runch Club is just like a way to disconnect. Right. You know, use technology. I mean, I couldn't have done this without technology. Right. So I'm not, you know, raining on technology. But it's just a way to take a second, have a meal, sit across, you know, a table from another person, most probably a stranger, talk about a thing that you probably wouldn't have talked to that person about or actually probably wouldn't have talked about at all. Right. Which brings me to your next question uh, about the about the themes. Mm-hmm. So I let them, I le- let people just sort of choose the theme that they f- feel fits as long as it sort of jives and hasn't been done before. I, I haven't ever said, no, that theme's not going to work. And then they put together a list of three to five episodes. And, and I think that's one thing, maybe if you're listening to this and this, you know, just kind of initially piqued your interest. One thing that totally makes 
sense, but I don't know if it completely registered with me when I first learned about it was in my mind, I think I was thinking, oh, I'd have to lift, listen to three to four seasons of something in no. order to show up, but it is, it's Episodic. individual episodes yes. that you're pulling out. Yes. It's yeah. like two or three hours of listening for a month. Right. So there's, it's, and it's, and I try to tell people and, and, and for the most part, this is the case that you can't pull the same you know, two different episodes from the same podcast, like pick the best one. This is a way to also discover new podcasts. So it's a way to kind of test the waters, have a very specific, because sometimes if somebody recommends a podcast, the next question is what episode should I start with? Because some are better than others. And I want to get the best taste I can because I don't want to start with a taste that's terrible if the podcast is great. So yeah, so it's a way, another way to just discover podcasts. Last fall, a best-selling author, Joe Piazza, did a Q&A with you yeah. for Forbes, which is yeah. very cool. Yes. Congratulations on that. Yes. And shout out to her podcast. She has a podcast oh, called uh, Committed. Okay. It's great. All right. It is. It's great. It's all about relationships. And, nice. and Yeah. That's nice. good. So you talked about something with her that I've often thought about both as a podcast creator, as a podcast listener. I've even talked about it from time to time with guests on the show who have either been doing shows of their own or were getting ready to launch another show. What is it, in your opinion, in your experience, that makes or has made podcasts such an appealing medium for consuming stories, for consuming entertainment, consuming knowledge, as we like to think, you know, mm. think that we do here? Because it really is, I mean, it is a very recent phenomenon, and it is, like you said, it's really mushroomed up, and there's oversaturation now because people love this medium. What about it to you? Do do you think that, why do you think that's the case that people love listening to these things so much? So I feel like there's, okay, so there's a couple elements to it. I think that having earbuds in or headphones on and like there's a voice literally being pumped into your body. There's an element of really real intimacy there. Not to say that if you're not wearing headphones, you don't get that level, but there's just, that's the way most people listen. And I just think that the human voice is, there's, there are things that you can hear. There are little cracks in the voice that sort of are tells. And there's an element of, so I went to podcast movement a few years ago and I ha- heard Alex Bloomberg talk. This is a, for people who don't know, it's a very kind of like the flagship podcast conference festival, whatever you want. Yeah. I was in Chicago that year and they gave me a free ticket and, or whatever, because I was local and it was, they were just starting up and Alex Bloomberg actually was the speaker, the keynote speaker. And for those of you who don't know, he's the CEO of a company called Gimlet, which was a podcast network that actually just got bought by Spotify. And he was saying, and I was like, yeah, this totally makes sense, that there's a level of, you have to invest yourself in the story more than you do for an audiovisual experience because everything is just being given to you in TV and movies, right? Like it's just kind of coming at you. It's everybody else's creations kind of passing through your brain and you don't sort of, at least I don't, I think my husband would disagree because he loves movies and loves TV and he does not like podcasts and it's not for everybody. But I feel like there's a level of investment I have because I'm my own imagination is being invested in the story. Like I'm imagining the the place that they're describing. I'm imagining what the person look, looks like. At, but meanwhile, the person is actually just telling me their story. So I think there's just something beautiful about it. And I also think that while podcasting is new, radio has been a lo- around for a right. very long time. Right. And used to be the primary way people consumed content whether it was news or entertainment and there used to be you know people sitting around a radio listening together as my shirt says (laughs) but 
I just, yeah, it, there's just something about it. And I think, again, I don't think it's for everybody. My husband, he can't concentrate on it. The other element I also think that lends itself well to today is that it's an easy thing to consume while you're doing other things. Right. Because we are a multitasking society and people are so very busy all the time. And you can do this while you're doing almost, you know, you're driving, you can wash the dishes, your laundry, grocery shopping, you you know, and sometimes people work and listen, I can't personally do that. Me either. Yeah. I'm the same way. But, you know, you, reading a book, you're not going to walk yeah. around a grocery store with a book in your face or reading a book right. on in a car. Or you can't drive a, you know, you can't drive a car watching a video or, right. or at least at least you should not be. Doing right. That. Hopefully. I'm sure right. some people do. Right. But yeah. So I just think that all of those things are reasons that it's it's, you know, such an amazing and compelling medium. Mm-hmm. I, a little bit what I've read about how you kind of came up with the idea for podcast brunch club and it seemed like it was one of those qualities in particular um, the intimacy of the hu- human voice that first turned you into a podcast listener yourself can you talk some about when you began listening and how this international organization that i mean would you say six continents Is that yeah right? i mean that that's so cool how it grew out of that experience that you had of why you personally yeah. came listening to these things. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things like, so I personally think I start, I started listening. I was not one of those early, early, early adopters, but, um, so I went, <laughs> this is, I have very distinct memories of being in the N- Dominican Republic and having my headphones in and I had a Bluetooth like doohickey that connected to my phone so that I could listen and I tucked it into my bun so that I could actually go into the pool and listen at the same time because at that point I was like hooked on Radiolab I had at that point downloaded every single episode that I possibly could and I was like yeah this is amazing I can't read on the beach I get nauseous and I it's just I don't know it's my very eyes bright open too. Yeah. It's, it's difficult yeah. yeah and then I wanted to take a dip in the pool because it was hot and I was like oh god I can't not listen at the same time so I figured out a way to like put this thing in my bun so that it was still like close my bag was right at the edge of the pool with my phone in it and I could listen while I was in the pool then a couple years later I uh I had a I have a couple of back injuries and I had um, sustained a pretty bad one that had me out of work for a very long time and I was not happy let's just put it that way it was not in a good place and I couldn't watch tv and I couldn't read like I couldn't get my mind off of my own issues enough the only thing that seemed to get my mind off my own issues and like actually listening to other people was podcasting and during this time, a bunch of friends came over to bring me dinner and like chit chat and whatever, night out or night in, but you know, with my friends. And one friend and I just started going down that whole, oh, I heard on a podcast conversation where if you're an avid podcast listener, you've done this. I yeah. know you've done this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, I heard that on that podcast. Did you, have you listened to this episode? No, I didn't. I'm going to go download it now. Oh, you should also download this epi- or this podcast. And so it just became this thing. And I just had this light bulb that was like, oh, yeah, this needs to be a thing. This I need to talk to people about all this stuff I'm listening to. And so I talked to her and I was like, what do you think? We should do this, right? Like, let's just meet for brunch once a month. It's a good way to get friends together and talk about podcasts. And she was like, yeah, that's great. So she talked to some friends and I talked to some friends and we just got a monthly group together for brunch. And then about a year later, I was talking to a friend who lives in Geneva, Switzerland. And she was like, I want to do this. 
And I was like, oh, really? Okay, you should do it. And you should listen to the same podcast as we do so that you and I can talk about it. And also, like, that'd be fun to know that people in Geneva are listening to the same podcast that people in Chicago are listening to. And she started it. And then I was thinking, hmm, maybe I should see if other people want to do this, too. And so I started a website and I started Twitter. And now we've got 60 chapters on six continents. (laughs) (laughs) It's like crazy to say, but it obviously build a need people want to talk about it right so that's i mean that's been a few years now and i'm wondering just as i'm going to talk about the podcast brunch club podcast in a second also very meta yes Um, but have you i mean we talked a little bit about the saturation of shows have there been any other trends that you've noticed over the course of those three years either whether it's certain genres getting more popular the way people I mean, the paid apps are kind of interesting. Yikes. Like, I've, I've tried out. Um, oh, you did? I, I tried out Luminary. I actually have had a guest who is doing a show through Luminary now, and we talked about that a little bit. So I'm wondering, just in terms of your experience, clearly in cultivating a big community of listeners, how have you seen it change in the last yeah. three or four years? Well, it's gotten very, very, what's the word, corporate Mm-hmm. businessy, a little less grassroots and, and, and people focused much more, you know, everything. Branded content. Branded. Says content. the podcast at the university right. if they <laughs> ask this question. But even just like monetizing, if yeah. you look at, yeah. you know, podcasts, I think like the next word you would see on a Google search is probably monetization. Right. And so just how to monetize the, and, and, and not, and I'm completely on board. You know, it is a lot of work. I am, you know, I'm not saying people shouldn't monetize. I guess my concern is that people are starting podcasts because it's a, they think it's a way to make money as opposed to they start a podcast because they love it and then try and find ways to fund it, you know, to each their own. I'm not saying one way or another is the, you know, worst, but I've just noticed that, you know, you see, you see these articles that say like, why your business should have a podcast, you know? And so every business is now, now has a podcast. And I think some do it better than others, and I'm not opposed to it. I'd rather sort of get, I, you know, Gimlet was really good about doing ads that were not that ad-like. They were much more podcast-like within the podcast, and I actually kind of appreciated it. It was much more of a storytelling endeavor, you know? There's a way to do it when they have fun with it and don't take it, like, it, you don't feel like it is a hard sell of something, and it's almost like... I don't want to go as far as saying tongue in cheek, but it's yeah, yeah, like okay, like we're doing right. this. They help support it. That's great. Yeah, let me tell you about this mattress. Cool. Yeah. And there, there are good ways to do it and bad ways. I mean, I'm tremendously grateful of being able to be at a university, and that, of course, we always we always thank Sorens here and the Morris Inn for supporting us, but not not having to have that onus of oh my gosh, I got to sell advertising time in order to do this. So I, yeah, I mean, I'm very. I'm very sympathetic to that reality, but I, th- I mean, I, I'm a, uh, a writer by trade a- away from this, and I, I really think what you said there, it's really analogous to writing, is you want someone writing books who wants to write books, and then hopefully it's going to find an audience and be published. If you go into it thinking, I'm going to 
do this or write this just to make money, well, then either you're not going to have success or it's not going to be a very good book. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's some, I think any kind of creative field, it's you want to create the thing and then hopefully you can find people to help support the thing you've created just because you wanted to create it. Yeah. And I feel like that comes through in a podcast. I think people hear it. You know, they know that it's being done for love or if it's being done for mon- money. And it's, it's just harder, I think, now. Like you said, it's so saturated. And there's so many podcasts coming out every single day. And there's some really niche podcasts, which I love that. I love that there's really uber niche podcasts. In terms of genre, you know, true crime, the obvious you know, a genre that is very saturated. Everybody and their mother now has a true crime podcast or or like even The Onion has its podcast that sort of makes fun of it. Yeah, um, which is hilarious. But I'm not personally a true crime fan, so I can't speak too much to that. In terms of these paid apps, I have a really hard time with it. Yeah. I, you know, Luminary just really started off bad yeah they they burned a lot of bridges right up front and there's a lot of drama that I don't think that your your listeners need to know all of the ins and outs of but they alienated podcasters and and it's and it I I, it really is it's a difficult proposition just in terms of for better or worse this is content that people have come to expect to be free I mean it's like you you tolerate the advertising because it's like okay they have to make money doing this but I, it's really I had a colleague here one time not talking about podcasts but he, I always love this phrase he just it's really hard to put the toothpaste back into the tube and yeah. it's kind of when you've had people come to expect like oh I can just go into Apple Podcasts and there's all these things here that are free to listen to it's really hard then to convince people to say like okay here's this subset that you should pay for yeah even if they're great shows which I've listened to some of the the premium shows on Luminary, and they're great shows. And for the podcast creator side, I do understand it. If Luminary is offering, or any other paid platform is offering you millions of dollars or a million dollars right up front for a three-year contract, rather than you having to do all this marketing and get all this advertising, da-da-da-da, it's a hard thing to pass up, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's really, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Mm -hmm. But I I have sort of made my stand and have said... And I really don't anticipate ever having to change this stand, uh, but I guess it depends on the landscape. That I will never put a podcast on the playlist that you have to pay for. You have to pay for. Yeah. I just won't do that. Yeah. I don't make anybody pay to po- join Podcast right. Punch Club. I can't possibly imagine being like, but you have to, and especially because there's like a, a, a ton, of, a, a few of them. So if if we open the floodgates, then you have to join Luminary. You have to join yep. Stitcher Premium. You just, you know, no, yep. I'm not doing yeah. that. So, I mean, speaking of podcasts that you can get for free, yeah. the, the Podcast <laughs> Brunch Club yeah. has its own podcast, which I should note taught me something in the first 30 seconds that I listened to it, which was about Podchaser. And I was like, oh, we sh- I should really see if we're listed on there. And we were not. And oh. so now I'm in the process of rectifying that. So I am going to have to tell them because yeah. they're going to be really happy about that. Yeah. So other than helping people like me figure out <laughs> things like that, what can people expect if they listen to the podcast brunch club podcast Podcast. sure so the podcast brunch club podcast is like an extension of podcast brunch club we have a couple of different types of episodes and what you heard and you're referring to is a little bit of my sponsored slot because i do have a couple of sponsors and podchaser is one of them a very on-brand sponsor because it's about a 
tool for people to find podcasts. Yes, so that makes, it's a, makes a lot of wonderful sense. tool. Yeah. Uh, and I have a, a bunch of other very relevant uh, sponsors. But the main content is, a, is just about the playlist that we listen to that month. So I have one episode where I have a co-host, Sarah Da Silva, who does something called Audible Feast. Audible as in like auditory feast. And then she does podcast reviews and, and really in-depth ones. And she and I just talk about the podcast playlist as if we were, you know, going to brunch mm-hmm. and talking about it right. just for not extended periods of time. Um, and then we always go off on our tangent about what else is going on in the podcast world, because that's how a podcast brunch club meeting always goes. You talk about the podcast playlist and then you start trading recommendations or t- saying, did you join Luminary? Did you not? What do you feel? Blah, blah, blah. And then the other type of episode that we have is an interview podcast or an interview episode and we try to get the creators that we feature so that's an opportunity for us to get a little bit deeper into behind the pod behind the scenes behind the sometimes we feature most of the time we feature the creators sometimes we get a guest who was on the podcast so for example i just had an interview with frank warren who is the founder of Post Secret, okay. which is a blog that's been around since like 2004. And he just started it by like passing out anonymous uh, postcards on the streets of DC saying, you know, with his address on it saying, decorate the card and tell me a secret. And then he has now had like over a million postcards sent to him. And every Sunday he puts it on a blog. And it's amazing. It's really like he's gone into museums. He goes to college campuses and does speaking tours. He has... He just had a segment on the CBS Morning News. Like, he's great. So I he was part of the TED Radio Hour because he did a TED Talk. So we featured the TED Radio Hour podcast, and he was, like, one of the featured speakers. So he's not the host of the TED Radio Hour, but we go, yeah. you know, it's somehow related to the podcast sure. we listen to. Yeah. The heart of everything, and I should have said this right up front, the heart of Podcast Brunch Club is really not the podcasts. The heart is, like, the community and the the just getting together and the community that's what it is so in that vein that's why you know i want to have a co-host on the podcast and sarah is the the co-host and we are now having jenna who you know Mm -hmm. does the democracy works podcast and is the chapter leader for our virtual chapter which actually meets every month by video conference she's starting to be the get the a guest host where she interviews some of the creators and our audio editor who also is a chapter leader in Minneapolis and does his own sort of audio editing. He does all of my the audio editing pro bono. So he's starting to do the cool. interviews, which takes a lot of the load yeah. off of me. Yeah, that's great. Which is amazing. And like and they love it. And it's yeah. a good way for me to just kind of keep the community involved mm-hmm. in the overall thing. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Podcast Brunch Club isn't your day job. No. As cool as God, as no. amazing as that would yeah. be. Yeah. You work in in communications at an institute within Northwestern's Feinberg School of Medicine, which I did know does have its own podcast called Breakthroughs. They do. Which they I, do. I looked I was looking at that. Yeah. From your perspective, working in communications in higher ed, and we talked about maybe talking about this more when we were done, but what what role do you see for podcasts in higher ed? And don't let the fact that a podcast at a university is asking no, to influence your answer. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think there's huge potential there. I, I, I can't even, I can't overstate it. It's like, there's so much amazing research that is being done. And as a communications person, I am responsible for trying to get the word out about that research. Right. And people are, you have to go where people are. And fortunately and unfortunately, there's like this very, I guess, ingrained 
way that academia kind of goes through the process of getting the word out about their research. And typically it's very long. It's a very long process of, you know, pilot data, studies, publishing, pub even publishing in a journal. It could take up to two years sometimes. And then hoping that some, you know, journalist who understands all that stuff will pick it up and put it in print media or on the t on TV. And that's not the way it has to go anymore with all of the different mechanisms for self-publishing and social media and all that. So, you know, obviously peer-reviewed journals are a huge, you know, I'm not saying do away with that. I'm just saying that a lot of stuff get, gets missed because the general public is not subscribing to academic journals. It, it's You're exactly right. It's not trying to take the place of more official channels like peer-reviewed journals, but it's trying to speak to people who would never have occasion to read a right. peer-reviewed journal and be like, let, let's talk about this in very kind of human terms that you can have that experience of, oh, I can do more than one thing at once and I can listen to this and maybe learn something and hopefully, I think, break down some of that. I think it's really easy to look at universities and especially the two of us at places like Notre Dame and Northwestern where people can look at those and like and think, oh, that's not for me. What they do there is not for me because either I, I didn't go to that school or I didn't go to any school or whatever. And it's like, no, like we should be in the business of trying to take all this great knowledge that we're curating by virtue of having these really smart people on our campuses mm -hmm. and try and bring it to as many people as right. possible in whatever kind of format that they would like to consume it. And I think you're right. Like audio is yeah. it's going through a renaissance. I mean, all of it, right? And, yeah. and you even see sometimes you see journals doing this. I think some journals are starting to recognize the value of, I was reading something the other day, I want to say it may have been in the New England Journal of Medicine, where at the very top, it was like a shaded box that just said, at a glance, and then three bullets. Like, if you don't have time to read the entire article, this is what you should know. You know, these are the three takeaways you should know. You don't need to know all of the methods that were used or the N equals, you know, blah, 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 and the databases that they scoured or whatever. But here are the key findings or here are the, you know, the key takeaways. Maybe not journals, but I've heard of funders wanting video content. Like if you submit a proposal, submit it with a video, a three minute video and get it down to three minutes, what you're, what you're proposing to do, like kind of like turn it into a TED talk. You know, yeah. TED Talks are amazing and, and really compelling, and you're forced into, I think it's seven minutes. I don't know, mm -hmm. 10? It's, yeah, I mean, it's something. somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's, it's, it's a skill, mm -hmm. you know? It's a skill to be able to do that, and it's not a bad skill to hone. It's unfortunate. I think a lot of researchers are now forced to do a lot of different jobs, wear a lot of different hats. They're already an expert in what they do. Right. And so that's where I come in as a communications person. I'm like, okay, well, Let's think about this. I'm not going to be able to do it on my own because I don't know the research like you do. Right. But let me help you translate it into something that is going to be consumable to a more general audience, whether that's a video, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a bulleted list, whatever. So, yeah, I think it's huge. And I think you have to go where people are. And people learn in different ways. Like educators know this. Children in classrooms, they learn in different ways. Some of them really gravitate toward this lecturer note-based thing that most teachers do, maybe not anymore, but used to. And some learn by watching a documentary and some walk, learn by listening and some learn by doing. And so giving people the opportunity to kind of go where they learn best, it 
might feel like we're being spread thin then, you know, as in terms of the content creator, but that's, that's our job. So as we, as we wrap up here, there'd be two questions I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you first, you've built this international group devoted to listening and talking about podcasts. What are you listening to right now? Do you have anything that's kind of at the top of your playlist that you would, that you would recommend to people? So I knew you were going to ask me this question. I did. You I, I, me. I, full disc- I, yeah. I felt like I needed to, and because no, whenever I get asked this question, I'm always like, oh, what, what, yeah, I'm going through this whole blank. list. Like, what do I recommend to this person? Oh, and I do the same <laughs> thing. So I went through my feed and I was like, you know, I listen to a lot of the typical. I love Reply All. I love Radio Lab. a lot of the big ones. Um, one that I'm kind of really into right now is Endless Thread. Okay. Which is, do you know this podcast? I don't know. Okay. It's by Reddit. Okay. And and WBUR, I think, the, the mm-hmm. public radio in Boston. And they just like kind of scour Reddit for these weird stories and these weird mysteries. And they just Reddit would be a good place dive. to go for that. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. amazing. Like they dive into it. So an example is one that I just listened to is this guy came across a a huge pile of plates, like just in the wilderness, like all white ceramic plates. And I mean, you're talking I don't know, 20 feet high, huge, like a dumpster full, but like all the same kind of, you know, color and everything. And he didn't know where he was. He didn't like, he just didn't remember. He posted on Reddit and somebody like somebody tried to geolocate and it just became this mystery that was not solved on Reddit. But then these, the, the podcast kind of took it up and they solved the mystery. So it was actually really fun. It's a great fun. name for a show, too, with the way Reddit works, Endless Thread. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. perfect. So I like yeah. that one. And then the other one that I like a lot, it's an NPR one, but it's not probably as well-known as others, is Rough Translation. Oh, yeah, I haven't heard of it. Yeah. It's all about kind of like what people are doing in other countries that maybe we... I mean, sometimes they talk, talk about stuff in the United States, but it's it's a little bit more internationally focused. And how are, how do people see the things that we talk about here in other countries? But it's always really good storytelling. Like I like good storytelling. Well, and it, I mean, you you hit it on the head early on when you talked about in some ways podcasts are very old because it's just kind of the evolution of radio yeah. and. NPR certainly knows how to do great radio and how to do great storytelling. So yeah. it's hard. I, I find it hard to go wrong with an NPR podcast, but I haven't heard of that. So that's a great that's a great recommendation. Yeah, check them out. Last question. People who are interested in joining Podcast Brunch Club, what yeah. do they do? Yeah. So go to podcastbrunchclub.com. It kind of gives you the first page. It'll give you kind of the, the lowdown of what it is. But there's a tab at the top that says join. And you can figure out how to, you know, where you want to join. If you want to just join online. If you just want to join Jenna's virtual chapter meeting. Or if you want to join in person. So there's lots of different ways to do it. That's awesome. Adela Mizrachi, thank you so much for doing this today. Thank really you. enjoyed it. It's been great. Thank you. With a Side of Knowledge is a production of the Office of the Provost at the University of Notre Dame with support from Soren's Restaurant. Our website is provost.nd.edu slash podcast.